God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to love, heal, and forgive He bled and died To buy my pardon An empty grave is there to prove My Savior lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow Because He lives All fear is gone Because I know Yes, I know He holds the future And life is worth a living Just because He Our future is everything in Him. We got something to get excited about. The first song, the congregation. What a promise. What His words. He's going to lead us if we'll trust and obey. We got victory because of Him. Well, it's something to get. I'm sorry. Praise God. Here we got victory because of Him. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, yes, I know, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Praise God. There came a sound from heaven, a rush and mighty wind. It filled their hearts with sin. Gave 
Yeah. 
time you can search the whole world over and no greater friend you'll find well he's not good just once in a while he's good all the time well we've all had friends who let us down you know what i'm talking about at the very first sign of trouble they are nowhere to be found but jesus stays when others go he'll never let you down cause he's your friend in stormy weather and he's good all the time i said my god is good
much, much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry.
Yeah. 
songs that we sing, um, Jesus, the same, the creator of the world loves you. And no matter what you're going through, he continues to stand. I feel like the Lord brought this song to my heart this week. And I'm thankful that he is a rock that I can depend on. There's a promise in the Bible, God's precious holy word, that all things they work together for good to them that love the Lord. So today I claim this promise, trusting him for peace of mind, praise his name throughout the ages. God has stood the test of time. What a blessed assurance to know I'm His and He's mine. What a sweet consolation when He tells me I'm His child. How could I ever doubt it when mountains get too hard to climb? this world's fierce raging battles we should trust him more and more dare not take one step without him till this fleeting life is over for the hand that holds tomorrow that same hand he's placed in mine so praise his name throughout the ages God has stood the test of time. What a blessed assurance to know I'm His and He's mine. What 
He loves this chorus with me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. One more time. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us all. Sometimes I think, I used to think that it would be easier to give up, to just quit. Like God, sometimes I've said to him, like, why didn't you just let me go, take me out? And Daryl, when you stood up to testify, I thought, God doesn't always fix the problem right away, but he gives us the strength to keep going and say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. He loves you so much, so keep pressing on and lean on him. The song of the redeemed rising from the African plains. It's the sound of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain. The sound of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. A love song born from a grateful choir. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns. He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns. He reigns. Let it rise above the four winds, caught up in the hell. Go from the tower 
These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And these are the days of the trial Of famine and darkness and sword Still we are the Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes. 
glad to have all those who are in God's house this morning. I know many of you are sadly disappointed that Pastor Tim is not here. I'd rather him be standing behind this desk for you as well. But uh, he's out on vacation. Um, I don't know if you know, I think there's like I said, six or seven families. And I think they're kind of what we call roughing it. You know, they don't have, well, they don't have any places reserved. They, they're just kind of like, but I think Scott took a hotel with him, you know, and I mean, so they are camping, but they're kind of doing it unplanned. You know, they might be in a Walmart parking lot, but they're still out. They're, they're, they don't go camping like Sister Connie does. She goes down to the Shangri-La down. She goes to this one place where they have maitre d's that basically wait on you. It, it's called like Anchor Down. I mean, they serve her food every night. They come and they... they they, if she's tired, they rub her feet, and, and they, they bring Bob coffee, and, and, and they light a fire for him. They clean it up, and I think if they're not sleeping, they'll come sing them a lullaby. I mean, I mean, she really goes camping to the major max. You know, us, us humble servants can't afford those multi-million dollar campgrounds that Sister Connie goes to, but uh, she'll beat me up later, so don't worry about it, guys. Glad to have all those who are able to be here tonight. We've got a lot of plans in the next coming weeks. Uh, Brother Andy's going to be preaching for some. Brother Randy's going to be preaching. Brother Bobby's going to be ministering to us. So we got a lot of things coming up for these next few weeks. Um, we appreciate And I was thinking back, looking back in the history of this church, as I was looking, uh, Dave was talking about how that he was looking at some old films from even back in 2007. And some of us were in those videos, and he said, I was in those videos as well as others, and how the memories have passed. And it got me thinking last night, I went down the basement and was just, I wasn't looking for a topic or something, I was just looking for a, a note on something that I had written down before. And I opened up this one folder, and I had these yellow pads, the small yellow pads, and I used to take notes on all those things. And what it was is back in 2009, I had had where I had recorded and written down the notes from so many people that had delivered messages within this church. Connie, I've got a few of your messages, three, four, five of them on a Sunday night. Sue, I've got some of yours. You know, Andy, I got David Pruitt the first time he ever preached. First and last, maybe, I don't know, but that was back in 2009. Uh, I've got notes from Brother Larry where he spoke to us on in 2009. So there's been and many, Brother Carl, I got messages from him. And uh, I, I'm sure within there's something from Bill as well. Andy, you're in there. And, you know, so uh, there's been a heritage where God has given those the opportunity to stand behind this desk. And I consider myself privileged to be able to do that as well. I thank you for the opportunity and I pray that God uses today. Um, we know that a lot of things are going on, but I want to kind of set this up. I like to kind of set up what I'm talking about because it kind of relaxes me. I had this one preacher who used to like to tell jokes. I'm not a joke person. I'm not funny at all, you know. And I, now, you laughed at me, and I said I'm not funny at all. I'm not a great singer, so I don't want to sing. A brother Tommy Bates would sing you a song or two and swagger, but I'm just going to talk to you. So... One of the things that I like to do when I talked about us going away and when we go on vacation and such as that, one of the things that I like to do is I like to read. That's one of the very few times that I can really just kind of get away and read. There's nothing more enjoyable than sitting by a lakeside and having a book in your hands. And in between the constant naps and the frequent naps, I actually get a little bit read. 
you know, and sometimes where I, 90% of the time, and I, I like to read in airports when I'm traveling and, and things such as that, and on a plane, not that I've flown a lot as of late, but I don't really read for in-depth learning. This is my entertainment reading time, and I like to read legal thrillers. I don't know why. I love John Grisham books. I think I've read every one of them. Some of you may like them. Uh, Bondi gave me a series a while ago, Karen Blackstone or Blackburn. That was a mystery thriller, but I like legal thrillers. I don't know why. I'm not a lawyer, I, but I just like the way that John Grisham writes. Many of his books, how many of you ever read a Grisham book? It looks like Ruthie has a few of you, so okay. Chris, I see you. You know, and you'll notice that whenever he has these books, he always gives them like a one-word title, The Reckoning, The Confession, The Testament. Or, or, or the lawyer or the rogue lawyer. He gives them a short little synopsis of what the book is about. And as you get into it, you find out, okay, what this rogue lawyer is or what the confession is. Uh, I just read that one again. And one, one of the most troublesome things about Grisham, I need to be a little bit better about categorizing which ones I've read. Because if I don't own it, I don't know if I've read it. So if we rent them... Sometimes I'm two-thirds through and I said, I think I've read this one already. And then you kind of remember it. But he always gives them these names that kind of describe. And not unlike that today, uh, not that I'm trying to copy that, but as I was reading through this and as God was preparing me to deliver this message this morning, this morning I want to talk to you about something in John chapter 9, verses 1. Through 25, and I will read it as quickly as possible. I usually don't like, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't like to read a lot of verses because I think sometimes it loses folks. And as Jesus passed by in John 9, 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither had this, and Jesus answers that neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day that night, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So we're kind of setting this up here where Jesus is passing by someone that was born blind. From birth, they had never seen. They were blind from their birth and the questions go around why, what was the problem, what happened, did he do something wrong, did his parents do something Why was this man that was born blind accursed with this fault within his life or this issue within his life? You know, they had asked for reasons and they had asked for all the explanations to be given, but yet Jesus said, you know, don't go into that depth, that's, that's not the reason. And it goes on a little bit later on, further in the passage where we're going to paraphrase this, where we're getting to the paraphrasing part of it. I'm going to ask you to read it in your own time. Where Jesus goes to this young man and, and basically says, what would you have me to do or what do you want from me? And he makes the clay and he puts it upon his eyes and he prays for the healing. And the young man receives his sight. He is no longer blind. And those with around him began to inquire, well, what happened? We knew at one time this one was blind, now he sees. What has happened unto this? And they began to inquire about the encounter. The encounter he had with Jesus. What was the reason that now this man can see? And you know what? He really couldn't fully explain everything. 
But he gave these words. He says, I don't know if this, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees asked, well, who did this to you? Well, all I know is that he's called Jesus. Well, is this man a righteous man or is this man a sinner? Is he a godly man or not a godly man? Is he a Pharisee or a Sadducee? Who is this Jesus? And a little bit later on, down in the passage, I think it's about verse number 25, and he answered and said unto them, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, where I was blind, now I see. He says, I know this, once I was blind, but now I see. That man had an encounter with Jesus right in the midst of Jesus' ministry. He encountered the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the full realm of his ministry. Because Jesus tells us within his word in Luke 2.49 when he first is talking to his parents and they're in the temple and they ask him, what are you doing? He says, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus was about encountering lives that needed to be changed. Lives that were lacking. Lives that were short. Lives that needed a touch that only God can do. No Pharisee, no Sadducee, no system, no regulation, no religion, no program, no process, no none of these things could do it, but what was able to be done to that young man was a God job, as we said many years ago. And only God could do the job, and he didn't need a lot of explanation. He says, I can't tell you how it happened, but I can tell you this. I couldn't see, now I can. Many of us have encountered Jesus in the depths of his ministry. As he's been about the Father's business, it tells us in Luke 19, he says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, He has come to find those of need and to restore them back to what God desired for them to be, designed for them to be. How many of you this morning could say, yeah, I met Jesus. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, now I'm found. Right in the midst of his ministry, he came to me. He talked to me. And I tell you the truth, I don't fully understand it all the time. I don't get it all the time. But it tells us in Luke 4, 18, is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking these words, because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was Jesus' ministry. To come forth and to change lives where they would never be the same. I'm under this impression, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, but I believe this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Those that have truly experienced an encounter with Jesus will never be the same. You will never be the same. Death will come to life. Mourning will come into sadness. It tells us even within the scripture that he will trade our ashes for beauty. He will do all these wonderful things right in his ministry. It tells us in Isaiah 61.1 that the spirit was upon me, quoting verse, when Jesus was in 4.18, he was quoting this, or using this as a reference. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach good things unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. An encounter with God himself in the flesh. Think of that. An encounter with God himself in the flesh. Now, I don't know if you've had an encounter such as this. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with your Jesus, but I know that I have. And you know what? To this day, I probably can't even explain it fully and really never be able to put it in the words where it seems to make sense. Sister Sydney, you gave a testimony a few weeks ago about going to an old reunion. You can try to, they'll never get it. It'll never make sense. You know, folks will never look at you. You know, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I can see. I was in the world. I existed in the world. But you know what? I see the world in a new way now where I never saw it before I encountered Jesus. I saw many things, but now I look at the world in a different way. I've got a new sight, a new vision. I see things in a different way, not the way that I saw them before. Perhaps as a young man, I thought... I had eyes of of selfishness. I had eyes of my own desire. I had eyes of my own lust, of my own inferiorities, of my own complexes. I had eyes that saw many, many things. And I was just about as blind as you could be, even though I could see. But when I encountered Jesus on that Sunday evening at a little church, I began to see a new way. Life had a new purpose. Life had a new reason. Life had a new meaning. I can see things and no longer now would I look at people and say, you know, this is that or that. You look at them that, well, they're God's child. They're, you see things in a different way. At one time, another person encountered Jesus in Matthew eleven five. He was lame. He couldn't walk. And Jesus said, rise and walk. And he began to walk a new way. I tell you what, there was a point in my life when I was lame. Yeah, I was walking and doing a lot of things, Andy, but I was going nowhere. A life without purpose, a life without meaning. Directionless. No idea where I was going, no idea where I was going to be. Whatever was done by the whim of the moment was the whim of the moment. That was it. That's what I need to be today. If I was what I thought I was going to be at 12 years old, I'd be a professional baseball player right now. Or I'd be, if a little bit younger, I hate to tell you guys this, but I'd be Batman. I'm Batman. Is that how he does that? I'm Batman. I can't do that deep enough. Or I might even be a little bit further back down there on Vine Street. I'd probably be Superman because I had to, that's what I was going to be. But you know, as I grew older and I, as a child, I put away childish things. And when I became a man, I began to think of a new way. And when I accepted Christ, when I encountered Christ, I was no longer walking aimlessly in this world. I had a purpose, I had a meaning, and I had a reason. One time I was lame. I can't explain to you what had happened, though. I just know that it happened. I just know that it happened. You know, once I was lost, and I didn't even know what lost was. But like a prodigal son, I came unto a father waiting for me when I didn't even deserve to be waited upon. I was once lost, but now I see. I was deaf, mute. Laying all these things. I was also even a little bit like the woman at the well where we find her in John chapter 4. Where she came and and she was there with Jesus and and she encountered Jesus that day. 
and with her shame and her guilt and her defamation and all the things that were wrong with her. I mean, she was feeling a guilt within her life. I, I, I'm not trying to promote, but any of you seen God or seen the, the new thing out? It's really pretty good, the, the Chosen. Within that, they have a story of the woman at the well. And she's there and she's embarrassed, ashamed. I'm a Samaritan, you don't even talk to me. And she goes through all of her, all of her problems and all of her issues. And, and she's almost embarrassed to even be there and be spoken to. But Jesus says, I've come to talk to you. I'm paraphrasing this. I've come to minister to you today. I've come to give you living water where you'll never thirst again. And she said, why would you do this? I'm a Samaritan. I don't even know what you're talking about. And you don't even know who I am. And she begins to walk away and say, I know who you are. You've got five husbands. And he named all the things and... She realized she had encountered the Christ. She brought all those things. She brought all those unworthiness, her blindness, her lameness, her weakness, her deafness, her muteness. She brought. But what I like about that is she was trying to hide what God already knew. Think about that. She was embarrassed about what God already knew. Let me tell you something this morning. When you encounter Jesus, he already knows your garbage. He already knows your baggage. He already knows everything that's there. And we're so ashamed sometimes to bring it to him and tell him. And we try to hide it. I, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't. It, oh, if they, oh, if they knew, if anybody ever found out how this or that. And, and gee, Jesus says, I already know. How do you know? You're not telling me anything that I don't know. I know that you've got five husbands and the one that you're living with now is not even your own. I know. And she goes and tells everybody, come see a man that told me all that I was. She encountered Jesus in a new way. And I'm sure that as she ran back into the town, as she was telling them and expressing this and, and telling all that had happened, they didn't fully get it. They didn't fully understand it. But all she knew was she once was blind, now she can see. All she knew was she once was lame, now she can walk. All she knew that she was once a Samaritan guilty of sin, and now she's been delivered and given living water, well, she'll never thirst again. She knew that happened to her. Why? She encountered the Christ. That's something to be so joyful about. So joyful about. Because as I was reading this in John 9, 25, and one of my times sitting down, and I don't know how you guys do it. I know how I do it. I read through passages, and I read through things. And I just write down little things. And, and God began to open that part up to me where the blind man says, I, I can't explain it to you. I can't tell you what happened. All I know is I was blind, now I can see. Many of you have encountered the exact same thing within your life. You once were lost, but now you're saved. You may never be eloquently to explain it, but you know that you're saved. You've received deliverance where you once were held captive. You were once in bonds, and now you're set free, as he tells us in Isaiah that he came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. You once were lost, and he came and found you right where you were, right at your Samaritan well right where you didn't feel like you deserved, 
right where you feel like you didn't belong, right where you felt that you weren't worthy. But God in the flesh through his son, Jesus Christ, encountered you. And this thing that happens to them happened to them because they truly experienced the Messiah. They truly experienced Jesus. You know, they would never be the same again, and I've already said that. They had a new passion for Christ. One of the things that troubles me, I, I, I'm going to probably get this is where I'll get in trouble. I'm not apologizing for it. But those that have experienced Jesus and encountered him in a new way, but then their life never changes. They go back into the old world. I believe when he saved me, he changed me. And I have a passion to serve him. Now, I'm going to confess to you something here this morning. I don't come to church because I love Jesus. You all may think that's weird, right? My love lacks. I fail at times. I'm not perfect. You know, I don't love the lost enough. I don't. You don't either. I know that I could be better at that. But I don't come here because I love him. I don't come here because of my works. I don't come here because, he, you know why I come here? He loves me. I come to church because he loves me. You know what? I can come in and, and rejoice and, and praise and sometimes sit in my seat and just cry and feel what God has done. You know, and experience that love and he loves me. One who was blind, lame, weak, met, mute, deaf, you know, a woman at the well. I, we were all one of them, and I come because he loves me. And I want to come and worship him and thank him and praise him and learn more about him. I don't know enough. Andy, have you got it all figured out yet? You, you don't yet? I, I don't. Brother Bill might. Uh, Carl might. I, I don't know if any of us got it all figured out, but I come because he loves me. So when you don't feel like being here in your flesh, when you feel like things aren't going your way, as Brother Andy said, the world beating you down, dragging you down, come anyways because he loves you. Come because he loves you. A passion for the things of Jesus, his church, his word, his body, his work, his will. I've experienced that and I want to experience more. Connie gets so excited. I don't know if any of you ever been in Sister Connie's Sunday school class, but she can never get finished because she's got so much that God has given her during the week that she could probably use about another hour or so and to be able to express all that she's gathered up that week. The experience that she's had with Christ. And you know what? I can't explain it by my words. And I can't explain it by my, my voice, but... Some don't ever get to know it, nor do they ever fully understand it. Because we can even look in the Bible in John chapter 3, where someone who was so learned about God and the things of God and the things of the law and the things of the rites and the rituals of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whose name was Nicodemus, who never got it. He could not ever understand, what, how am I going to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I don't understand this. Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. And if you don't understand these things, you shall never enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, with all his learnedness, never got it. Never understood it. 
and there's woes within our life that never will. But if you read John chapter 3, that's where for God so loved the world come from because he was explaining to Nicodemus earlier what God provided and how you can be saved. But like I said before, our greatest fear is that we'll encounter Jesus and he'll know all that we are. But I will tell you this, you will never receive victory if you don't encounter and experience Jesus in all that you are. We need to be able to bring him our frailties, our failures, our faults, our, our shortcomings, our, our, our unbelief. How, how many times, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief? Lord, I, I love you, but I know I don't love you enough. I, I, I want to read from your word, but I, I, I don't sometimes understand it. I, I struggle. You know, Lord, I, I try to serve you, but life gets in the way. You know, all these things get in my way. You know, I have family duties, these obligations. All, you know, life gets in the way, and I fail, and I come to church on a Sunday morning, and, you know, others are shouting psalms of victory, but I'm feeling a spirit of defeat. He knows all that you're going through. He knew all that the blind man was, the lame man was, the leper was. Think about that. He encountered a leper who no one else would even deal with or talk to. Stay away from me. I'm a leper. I know who you are. Be thou whole. Our greatest fear is encountering Jesus and experiencing Jesus as our true selves. We need to allow ourselves to let Jesus know what he already knows. Experiencing him even though he already knows. Bring all your needs to him. So the explanation of this whole thing is in John 25. I can't explain it. I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you what happened. I can't give you all these things. I can't logically or, or correctly or anything experiment to you. But I can tell you that what happened to him was what happened in Isaiah 61. And I'm going to flip over there real quick. I don't know if you want to go there. But in Isaiah 61, it tells us that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the Lord. Because the Lord had been anointed to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in his ministry to all those that came unto him. They that are whole don't need a physician, but only those who are sick. I went to my doctor this past week and... Uh, you, know, you just have to go there for your checkups or, or whatever. And, you know, they pump this thing up and they do the <coughs> cough this and breathe this and, you know, look in your ears, your eyes, your nose and pound, sorry, Rick, pound on your chest. Yep. And all these things. I don't know why you all do all that stuff, Kim. But they're like, they put that thing on your arm so tight that check your blood pressure. Now, I don't have any blood pressure now because I'm dead now because you've choked off all the blood I had. And they never get it right, Kim. One guy's 160 over 120. The next one's 140 over 8. I think they just have a dartboard, and that's what your, that's your blood pressure is. I said, it was probably a lot less before you started squeezing me with the cobra death of life around my arm, a boa constrictor. You all got to figure that out, Kim. You got to work on that. You and Sky and whoever, you all got to get that figured out. It makes us nervous. But I went there, and he said, everything's pretty good. 
see me in six months. It's good news. But he had checked me out and done a full check on me. And we had the opportunity to talk a little bit about a few things. And I was expressing to that, it's, it's, well, this is, in fact, my anniversary is today. And he said, no, not today. It was back then. <laughs> back then when I went to the doctor. But I was, and he said, well, happy anniversary to you. Apologies to your wife. You know, but I was expressing to him how things were great and wonderful and everything Bondi told me to say and uh, all the good things. But I was expressing to him of what, how life was really doing good. And I was joyful when I left from there, even though the boa constrictor of death was taking my blood pressure. You weren't in here, Sky, but you, you, you blood pressure people, you guys got to figure that out, man. You about kill us on that. She's, you and Kim are going to work on that, you know. But what I experienced when I left there was joy and gladness that I didn't have to go back for a few more months, six months as a matter of fact. Now, hopefully and prayerfully, nothing happens in between. But I was celebrating that everything was okay. I was celebrating that the one who was blind can still see. I was happy that the one who was lame is still walking. The one who was a leper that most in the world wouldn't even want. I mean, I tell you what, folks, we can go back in history and we can look at our lives. I wasn't the most polished quarter in the, in the role there, folks. There was a lot of faults and failures, a lot of disappointments. I remember when I was a child, I was not the one that had the typical parents, the mom and the dad at the ball game and, and all those wonderful things and, and the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts. And I'm not trying to bemoan and whine about this, but I was the lesser of that. You know, I remember to this day, and I, I, it's, I guess it's still a memory, where I wanted to sign up for Boy Scouts back before it became multicultural, multicultural whatever they are now, Scouts. I wanted to sign up for Boy Scouts. And all these moms and dads, were, all these dads were going in with their sons, and I was standing out there alone, and, and I wouldn't go in. My mom came back later and said, what did you sign up? No, I couldn't. I was all alone. I didn't have a dad to walk in with me couldn't do that we can go down all those paths so yeah one that was lesser I was the woman at the well I, I was the blind one I was the, but you know what I, I left that day that doctor and as I can stand here at nearly 60 something years old life's been pretty good life's been really blessed since I went to an altar of prayer I brought him everything that I was Bobby everything that I had and that wasn't a whole lot I gave it all to him and I don't know what it was that I gave him because most wouldn't have wanted it. Could have taken it all back. But he took exactly as I am. I like that one hymnal that says, just as I am, but he doesn't leave me as I am. He changed my life forevermore. And there's been good days and there's been bad days. There's been ups and there's been downs. But like that blind man, that lame man, that leper, that crippled, that woman at the well, all those, I encountered Jesus on that night. And I've experienced him my whole life. And you know what? I want to thank him for what he's done for me. I want to explain it in the best way I can. And I've given you to the best of my ability. But sometimes when our ability lacks, sometimes we just need to express it. So this morning, I'm going to close this service in a completely weird, different way. 
Altars in the Bible were given for many reasons. Are we right? Altars were given for sacrifice. Altars were given for victories. Altars were given for celebrations. Altars were given when they conquered their enemies. So this morning, I'm going to ask, I've asked, and I, I threw it out, and Becky, I'm so sorry to get to you, but I know you got it all. You'll figure it out. Right? Warning. Sue, Betty, Bondi, and you girls come on up. I'm asked them today to sing for us something as an altar call that we stand this morning and we just celebrate that we've encountered Jesus, that we've experienced Jesus, and we give him a song of praise as we close the service. And now they're looking at each other. I don't know what to sing. So you got it? Sue's got it. All right. So you ladies come up and help her. And Shy and any of you other singers, Sky, I, if you guys want to come up and help, I want this morning to be a celebration of what God has done in our life. And I want us to stand this morning, and if you want to come to the altar and sing with us, you all want to come to an altar of celebration, an altar of victory, an altar of rejoicing. I'm inviting you this morning. I'm not trying to pound you into repentance. I'm not trying to pound you into anything. But I'm just telling you, sometimes when we've experienced and we've encountered Jesus, we've got to celebrate what he's done in our lives. And sometimes that celebration will flow where we didn't think there was any flow. Sometimes it will go where there wasn't any go. I know this is different, folks, but I'm going to be a little bit different this morning. You can fire me after today, all right? But I want to give God glory for that encounter that I had with Him. I want to thank Him for the experiences that He's given me in my life. I want to rejoice, and if you want to come to an altar this morning and thank Him for what He's done for you, you don't have to kneel, pray, jump, flip, or flop. I'm not trying to promote emotion out of you. I'm not trying to promote reaction. Sometimes I just want to give God glory for what He's done. Don't feel pressured in any way, shape, or form. But if you have not encountered Christ, if you have never experienced Christ, we do invite you this morning to accept Him as your personal Savior. So let's all stand. Come on in. Come on in. Let's rejoice with these ladies and thank God as our altar service today is the altar of praise. It's an altar of victory. It's an altar of thanks. So as they got it, Sister Sue, go. And I know this is different, but sometimes a little different ain't bad. soul so fat you can shout wherever you're at even though the devil tries to make you fall oh hallelujah i am free for i got the victory and i'm watching for the coming of my lord he'll be riding on a cloud i expect to join that crowd and play upon my heart a brand new chord Sit back there and be shy. God's done a work in your life. Come up here and join us. You don't have to kneel and pray. You don't have to do anything, but you could come up and just rejoice with us this morning. Thank God at an altar of 
victory, an altar of celebration, an altar of rejoicing this morning. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. For I got the victory, and I'm watching for the coming of my Lord. He'll be riding on a cloud. I expect to join that crowd and play him on my heart. of those that experience defeat within their lives, that experience difficulties. I can go back and I can think of Gideon, I can think of Joshua, all of those that were at their walls, all those that were at their, at, their, at their defeat. But what they did is they praised the Lord and they thanked Him and gave Him glory and said, God, I know I'm beaten today, but I'm going to walk around this wall. I'm going to shout this wall down. I tell you what, with those blind men, those lame men, those lepers, when they experienced Jesus, they were never the same. We're going to sing something else real quick. If you want to come to an altar prayer this morning, if you have a need, we invite you. If you come to an altar prayer this morning, you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior, or you just want to come for another reason, we're going to invite you. I'm not going to beg you, but we're going to invite you to come to this altar this morning as they sing another song as they feel led. I remember the day. I remember the day.
want to shout. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had a thousand lives to live. I give them all to my Lord. For he's been so for that time that he met me on altar. Thank him for that I've experienced him my whole life. I know we got a lot of people that are out today. We thank the Lord for what he's done in this service. There's still a couple needs here at the altar. If you have to go, we, you're feel free to be dismissed. We'll um, continue to pray for these needs here at the altar. We will be having Sunday night tonight. I know uh, a lot of people, holiday, vacation, uh, you may not be able to make it back tonight, but we'll have a service tonight. We thank you for your attendance. God bless you for your 4th of July holiday. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you've given. Looking forward to hearing Andy in the next few weeks and a couple others. And uh, we pray that God will continue to minister to us through his word. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray for the needs of the altar. We thank you for the victories for those, dear God, that have experienced victories. We thank you, dear God, for the many blessings that you've shown us in our lives. Remember these needs at the altar, Sister Connie prays, and for others. We thank you for the songs that the ladies sang that were thanking you and praising you and giving you glory for the victories we've experienced. Dear God, sometimes we just need to break up the fallow ground and not do always the exact same time, the same thing. And Lord, every once in a while, we just need to dig a little deeper, get down a little further and say, Lord, I want to experience you in a new way in the fullness of all that you are that I may be more like you in any way, shape, or form that I've ever been. We thank you, dear God, and ask you to bless this service, bring us back again, and we'll not fail to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>